Welcome back to another episode of In Jessica's Corner, where I'm your host, Jessica, serving up honesty, transparency, and an open invitation to keep it real, raw, and uncut. While a marketer by profession, I understand the need of genuine interaction. So as I would position your brand for greatness, it's my goal that this podcast positions my listeners to soar beyond the limitations placed on their lives, honestly take a look in the mirror of self-reflection, and journey through the process of redevelopment as I continue to do the same. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoy. So today we're going to talk about how to love, Um, really just diving into the understanding of love languages, the impact that it can have on your relationship, and just really being able to execute it efficiently and effectively. Now, I want to start off by saying that like this whole love language phenomenon is something that's like the new hype in our relationships and men and women alike have definitely hopped on this trend and I am intrigued by the way that the millennial generation has added so much value and continued the dialogue around it there seems to be this strong level of an interest in it and with Valentine's Day very close I wanted to be able to have this discussion from my perspective because In all of the discussions that I have been privy to, I feel like there is one major point that we are missing. But before we get to that point, I do just kind of want to to jump right into the discussion and give you like my perspective on a few things. The one thing that I am intrigued by the most is just the thirst to like define your love language and then use it to define compatibility or seek out disconnections or solve certain struggles and then really understand like the the dynamics that this love language has on the bond that you share with your significant other. And to be honest with you and to keep it 100% real, I hear a lot of different perspectives. The one that annoys me the most is when people say that their love language is superior and it implies that pretty much I'm going to ignore the need to adapt to whatever my partner's needs may be. I have a problem with that because that is the most selfish thing that anyone that's in a relationship and striving to love and grow with someone should do. I should never be comfortable with the fact that you and I are in a relationship and I am only fine with you loving me and meeting my needs. Never should I bend over backwards. Never should I have to adapt. Never should I make a compromise. That is the most selfish thing that you could ever think. And I know a lot of the times men will say that, you know, women run the show, especially like once they get married. But the reality of a successful marriage is the one that allows a lot. It's like a seesaw of adapting sometimes I have to bend sometimes he has to bend sometimes we both have to bend but at some point we both have to be willing to make those different adjustments and be flexible because that's the only way that this is going to work we're still two different people combining two different lives growing into two different individuals that all have the same goal of being a united front so The next perspective that I struggle with would be the people that just feel like if there isn't any effort, then the person doesn't care. 
Now, this is something that I personally struggled with because I always made the assumption that if I don't see you trying to meet my needs, then you don't really care about what I need. The harshest reality, the most harsh, because harshest is not a word, the most harsh reality check that I had to come to grips with, especially in marriage counseling, was that I have to realize that I can't make assumptions about what you know. To state it plainly, expectations will change over time as your relationship evolves. The expectations that you have for a boyfriend will never be the expectations that you have for a fiance, and those will never be the expectations that you have for a husband. But in every transition, as the woman, you have to be clear that you communicate those expectations because while your mindset changes, while your perspective changes, which then influences some changes in expectations, if you never communicate those things, this man assumes that things are just the same. And now he's frustrated because he can't understand why you're so angry. He can't understand why you have this wall up while you're re rejecting his needs, why you aren't being flexible enough to even communicate because you feel like you aren't being heard, you feel like you aren't being seen, when really you never spoke up for yourself. And so I am a person that has a big mouth. And so marriage counseling taught me that I have to use my voice to be an advocate for me and my needs. No one knows what my needs are unless I say it. It's almost like if I can't breathe, if I don't communicate to you that I can't breathe, you won't know that. So in the same fashion, if I need your support, help, love in a certain fashion, I have to make sure that I communicate that to you plainly. The next thing that I struggle with a lot would be defining what that love language looks like to you. Um, my husband and I actually have very different love languages. His number one love language is physical touch. Physical touch is actually number five for me. And so before I get into this discussion any further, let's have a conversation about what the love languages actually are. So there are five love languages. And of those five love languages, words of affirmation, that would be the person that adores being told that they are loved a million times a day. These are the people that want to be constantly reminded that they are amazing, they are beautiful, they are valued, and all of the above. Acts of service would be number two. That is a person that actions speak louder than words, pretty much. Receiving gifts, they always want you to give them something. Quality time. They enjoy spending time together, and that can be in a lot of different channels, methods, or processes. And lastly, physical touch. So that is the person that loves to hug you, kiss you, lay up, all of that. Back to the discussion with me and my husband. Um, like I said, physical touch is actually the last on my list and number one on his. So we are very different in the way that we want love shown to us now what i can say about all of these love languages that although physical touch might not be number one for me i still need physical touch in relation to the kind of compatibility that we would have and so what i will say is when you take the test, if you decide to do that, you have to understand that it doesn't negate the fact that you don't need the other ones just because it's not number one for you. It just prioritizes the value that you give to each one. 
But for me personally, quality time and acts of service are neck and neck as love languages for me. But I have to define that because the one struggle that I feel like we had a hard time with initially once completing the test and really understanding what this means for our relationship was that we defined these love languages very differently. And so that goes back to that level of communication. I have to be clear about what I expect and what acts of service and what quality time looks like from my perspective. Because if I leave it so broad that he has the option to execute it as he chooses, he can miss the mark every time. And so you have to provide specific, concise feedback in relation to what you're looking for, in relation to what you need. You know what you need. And so you have to be an advocate for yourself. You can't expect your partner to just read your mind and say, okay, acts of service, okay, so you want me to do this, 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 well, that doesn't really count for this. And then maybe that, but it has to be done this way. It's almost like a seamstress. A seamstress has to take the measurements. A seamstress has to make sure that every measurement is accurate. They have to make sure that when they're cutting out um, the fabric that they follow that pattern to the T in order for them to execute it properly to make sure the seams fall in place to make sure that they complete the look as requested. Well, just the same in a relationship, you have to make sure that you get all the measurements right. And so we can equate measurements to those preliminary discussions or those thorough discussions that you have with your partner when you dive into learning about who they are more and more, understanding what they need, understanding what that looks like, and then executing it as requested. Your partner is your customer, and the customer is always right because in that effort, it's not about what you want, it's about meeting their needs. And so this is the discussion that I really wanted to get to. The truth of love languages and pretty much how they should be truly implemented and executed efficiently, it all revolves around your willingness to meet your partner's needs. The biggest hurdle for so many couples that I've been in the presence of having this discussion is that love languages are not about what your love language is. It's more so about what is your partner's love language? How can you love your partner the way that they need to be loved? It is an extreme challenge because it forces you to love someone so very differently than what you're used to. Now understand that your partner is privy to the understanding that you love a certain way. And so they'll be able to define your effort as, okay, this is how this person shows love to me. This is how this person attributes value to me and I understand what they're trying to communicate. The problem comes when they make that their top priority and negate the fact that they have to be flexible enough to do the things that you want. It's literally something like this. For men, they might sit and watch a girl movie with us because they know that's what we want to do. That might not be what they want to do, but the nature of just being in our presence and having that moment is enough for them and that meets one of their needs and we can move along to the next thing. But the one message that I really want everyone listening to this to get is that it's important for you to understand that as you define your own love language, love languages, they break a barrier and they go beyond just the person that you are in a romantic relationship with. It speaks to the nature of the relationships that you have with your family, your friends, your parents, your siblings. 
And sometimes even your coworkers or people that you establish some level of a, an attachment or connection to, you have to start looking at it like, like, I have considered this as a parent. I have to understand that my children might not necessarily love the same way that I do. And if they don't, I can't reject the manner in which they decide to love me. I have to accept that for what it is. And then I have to understand that in order for them to be able to associate love in the same fashion, I have to return the favor the same way. So really this idea and this concept of love languages is a selfless one because it's no longer about how you love people and what you do for people. It is more so about what people need and how you can put forth the effort to give them what they need. Because at the end of the day, like love languages equate to the kind of impressions that you leave on people in general. Like you made somebody feel valued. They were seen, they were loved, and they were appreciated. And sometimes our personalities make it so easy for us to meet people's needs because of the kinds of people that we are. And then there are those people that are flexible enough to accept the way that you give them love without any parameters to operation. <laughs> Now, the other side of this is, you know, if your needs aren't being met through a specific action, then you have to like channel certain methods or demand certain channels of that. It's it's almost like if you're going to be one of those people that need it in a specific and concise fashion, then you need to communicate that. But you also have to understand that when you set those parameters it might not always be something that's easily executed. So maybe you you can't expect to get that level of love 100% of the time. Then, you know, there are a lot of contributing factors. Time, access, ability, does it require money? What kinds of goals did you, do you all have that may that may influence some kind of changes or adaptations to the way that you all love each other. And that might sound silly, but like I use the example of like gift giving. If you all are trying to buy a house and you need to save up money or you just want to be financially cautious for a little while, gift giving may need to change or maybe you need to scale it down. It just kind of depends on like what you really have going on. But the lesson here today is that the only way to get it right is to simply communicate with the ones you love. And you have to learn the way that they show love, learn the way that they define love, learn the way that they need love, learn the way that they want love, learn the word, learn the way that they breathe love, and then learn the way that they live love. And it's only at that point that you will truly be able to give them the love that they need or you will learn how to most efficiently and effectively love them. Um, this is very different from what I normally do. I mean, I know I always give my perspective, but I most often don't have conversations about relationships or even get too specific with my own relationship because I don't want y'all in my business because y'all like to judge people. But I had to be transparent about it because love languages, it's something that, uh, is discussed in my household a lot and it's because when we do have disagreements sometimes we have to clarify like listen this is a need for me while I know this might be a need for you you know we have to find a balance in that because x y and z whatever the nature of the discussion is and sometimes I think it is important 
in this millennial culture to really display the fact that there are struggles and happy relationships, but that these discussions and these disagreements are healthy to the nature of our relationship growing of the expansion of who we will be as people and the impact that we can have on the relationships around us when we learn things, when we conquer struggles and we are and when we are triumphant regardless of like what stands in our way. I appreciate everyone for listening. As always, please make sure to like, share, comment, subscribe and come back for another episode. Thank you guys so much.